0: Closing the books is a manual, air-prone, and time-consuming process. In fact, 82% of accountants find the month-end close to be a negative experience, 78% report having to reopen the books, and 3 out of 4 say they're not confident in their close. Meanwhile, management wants numbers faster than ever, and investor scrutiny on financial reports has only increased. There has to be a better way than email, Excel checklists, and endless status update meetings. Flowcast was built by accountants for accountants to help them close faster and more accurately. It provides a single place to manage the month-end close, aligning people, processes, and documents in one collaborative platform. The bottom line, teams relying on Flowcast on average close 3 days faster. Learn more at cloudaccountingpodcast.com/flowcast. That's F L O Q A S T. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. I'm David Leary. Did you hear about Amazon and their new experiment retraining their workforce? Did not hear about this. I mean, I'm I'm a big Amazon fan. We we have, <laughs> I get Amazon boxes every day, of course. So I, and you know, I love automation and technology, and I just think they're, they're they're one of the coolest companies in the world. Well, Amazon is going to be spending seven hundred million dollars to retrain about a third of their American workers to do more high tech tasks. This was an announcement that happened uh, this past week. They're going to retrain hundred thousand, or they're aiming to retrain a hundred thousand workers by 2025, and they have three hundred thousand employees in the U.S. So that's a lot of people.
1: And the uh, reasoning on this is they need to grow, and they can't hire another hundred thousand people. It just makes more sense to get everybody working highly efficiently.
0: Or... Well, so that's the that's the really big question, right? And so, of course, the the reasoning or the the Number one reason I I think of is, you know, Amazon is on the forefront of automation. I mean, if you've seen any of the pictures of their warehouses or the videos of how they work, they are super automated. They're some of the most automated warehouses in the world with robots bringing packages. There's still humans packing the the packages, but they have a lot of robotic assistance. And if Amazon continues this trend, if they manage to automate, fully automate these warehouses, right, that's a lot of workers that are going to be out of work. And so... They need to upskill their workers, to use a popular term these days. And so the program's goal, it's not going to be to turn these warehouse pickers into software engineers. The program is aiming to move these workers who are, say, you know, picking items and putting them in boxes, move them up one or two rungs on the skills ladder and turn those floor workers into IT technicians or low-level level coders, get them able to maintain these robots. Got it.
1: So similar similar to I mean our space, right? Like a, a typical bookkeeper who historically is just on data entry doesn't need to become a CFO and do advising, but they need to know, hey, I'm I need to be a cloud accountant and I also need to know a bunch of apps. I know how to connect the pipes. I need to know how to troubleshoot if a connection between two apps doesn't work. Kind of at like changing that skill like is a level up.
0: Yes, you nailed it. And that's why like you and I laugh a lot of times about when we you know, there's all this talk about moving to advisory, right? And there's people out there telling bookkeepers they need to become advisors. And I just, I feel like that's ridiculous. It's the same thing as telling like a warehouse worker that they need to become, I don't know, a logistics uh, COO, right? (laughs) It's it's not, it's not realistic. It's not going to happen. So yeah, this is kind of cool. The, the only thing, the cynic in me though, uh, th- this this was a, I'm by the way I'm reading from an article in the New York Times called Amazon's latest experiment retraining its workforce. The thing is that at the end of the article, a guy named Mark Murrow, who's a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution, is quoted. He recently wrote a report on automation and the workforce, and he said that increased training would, you know, like higher wages, benefit workers. But he cautioned that there's no guarantee these policies would actually last. And he said. That if Amazon did, in fact, expect large job cuts in the future due to automation, offering training now would be a very savvy public relations move. So, that's the, the cynical take is that Amazon is saying, we're going to retrain 100,000 workers when they really have no expectation that this is actually possible. right? And they're, they're just really going to end up automating the jobs, but they'll at least have tried to retrain the workers.
1: So, so your, your argument's the press. They're getting the headline. Because yeah. if they lay off 100,000 people and they say, hey, but don't worry, we're going to retrain some of you. It's better just to lead now with the clean. We're going to retrain 100,000 people and there's no negativity. So, three years later, if they lay off 20,000, 20,000, 20,000, 20,000.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, if you're a big accounting firm and you're also on this... Uh- <laughs> you know, automation trend, then, uh, get ahead of it. Right. Say we're going to retrain all of our staff accountants. Uh, and then, you know, when you do ultimately lay, lay them all off cause you don't need them anymore, then, uh, you know, y- you don't get that bad
1: press. Great. Next week we're going to have five articles all with the same headline. Perfect. <laughs> You've set up the, the, the poor expectation on that. Yeah. Oh man. But uh, I, I've got more on this. Like the,
0: the reason I oh, really, yeah, there's, I've got more, um, you know, accounting talent shortage, uh, stuff uh, like like you said, this is related to accounting, right? Because we're an industry or profession that is being automated heavily right now. Dan Hood wrote a great article in Accounting Today called The End of the War for Talent, summarizing a lot of the discussion about uh, the talent shortage and automation. And putting it in a really succinct way, or I should say, he, in a very succinct way, describes the the sort of disconnect between these two concepts in that we have a really tight labor market for accountants. The employment overall in the US is below 5%. Unemployment in accounting is around half that. There's demand rising faster than supply, giving professionals more options than ever. Salaries are starting to rise. Firms are struggling to fill positions. Firm leaders report recruiting and retention among their top concerns. So, like, this seems like it would be a great thing for accountants, right? But there are these other factors that are pushing the labor market in the opposite direction you know and reducing demand which is outsourcing right it's getting easier and easier to outsource work uh, our friends at uh, toa global or toa global would definitely agree with that right it's getting easier to automate work that's the whole amazon thing that's the whole automating data entry kind of thing right hey there's auto entry, right? Uh, You don't need to key that stuff in anymore. Remote work is getting uh, more prevalent. So you can expand your pool of job candidates. And more non-accountants are becoming uh, important in CPA firms, or we're recruiting more non-accountants. So those factors kind of are balancing each other. And Dan Hood's argument is that, I, I think, if I'm summarizing it correctly, is that, yes, there is low unemployment, but that outsourcing and automation are going to offset this. And if so, if, if so it's just a the, wash,
1: it's just a wash at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. So there's this tension and they're going to balance each other out. So like the low unemployment drives the automation, uh, but then the automation, you know, drives layoffs. Basically, you just don't want to be one of those employees who gets caught up in the in the I don't know where these two uh, friction points meet right, and gets ground into dust. <laughs> there's a lot of people like we discussed last week, right? The Walmart layoffs. Uh, the United layoffs of accountants. I, I think that there's a lot of accountants who are just not really paying attention to automation that are potentially going to get swept under by all these trends. Just more evidence, I think, that this is not just an accounting thing. This is a this is in all industries: tech, accounting, retail, manufacturing. It's 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 all being affected by automation. And if we're upskilling and we're learning to manage these robots, or RPA tools or whatever they are, we're going to be in a good spot.
1: So that's the that's the connection to accounting. Because if if you're not if you're not going to where the shift is headed, you're going to be impacted by it. You you're not controlling your destiny ultimately. Yep. And uh
0: there's one other story that is in this theme. Okay. Which was a, a kind of a clickbaity title, a story in MarketWatch. Companies use this creative trick to keep wages stagnant, even in a strong economy. Like I, can't, what a what a clickbaity uh, finance article, right?
1: What strategy are they using?
0: Yeah, I you want to know, course right? You click on it. Yeah, so it's not a trick, of course. It's just that the the point of the article is that many companies are leveraging technology to eliminate layers of middle management. You know, think of like companies like uh, Zappos uh, are cited. Uh, there's some other examples in here of. Uh, and middle managers are some of the first people to go in a recession right because they don't you know directly produce anything and they aren't they aren't executives so and
1: uh, well i the, mean you could look at a lot of like apps now that are helping that process right you can look at the asanas of the world and the trello boards and yeah. um, slack and that stuff as it stacks up you, the communication you don't need a manager telling another manager telling a manager because you could just Get it summarized.
0: Yeah. All right. And everybody has access to the information. A lot of middle management is just, just you know, taking in information and communicating it to other people, right? Mm-hmm. So technology eliminates the need for as many middle managers. And so I love that, that I, I saw this is because it answers a question for me that I've had in my head for so long, which a lot of economists have have been asking, which is how can wages be stagnant when the job market is tight, right? If unemployment goes down, wages should go up. But that hasn't happened at the same rate. You know, the the economy added 224,000 new jobs in June, right? But wages have just sort of like gone up 3.1% on an hourly basis over the last 12 months, which is not that great. Should be more, apparently, when the economy is at full employment. And so that's the reason is, you know, companies are flattening their organizations there's there's basically you know upper management and there's workers and so you know that is what's depressing wages overall this is the amazon uh, effect right which is that amazon's a company where they have hundreds of thousands of workers but most of them are just making not not a lot of money on an hourly basis working in warehouses but the the ones who are programming the amazon website or the apps or running aws or you know, they make many times as much money as those uh, hourly workers. So it's the hourglass economy that we're we're hitting. It's both uh, troubling, also exciting if you can get into that group that is building all the tech or is managing all the tech. Or if you're an accountant who is leveraging all the tech, it's very exciting because there's a lot of potential, but it's it's creating a lot of disruption and limiting opportunity for people who don't have those higher level skills.
1: Well, I think it's it's just efficiency, right? Like companies have got to be as efficient as possible. And if you have three layers of middle management that may not be contributing to the actual production process, if you want to think about it that way, Mm -hmm. you have, of course, those positions are going to get eliminated over time. Um, Well, if it's it's possible, right? Yeah, And the tech allows it to happen. So, yeah.
0: So um, that is my, like, uh, my three articles that are all tied to talent
1: this week. So I have one that's kind of simply connected. Microsoft Teams. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about Slack a lot. You and I use actually Slack to yeah. talk during the week about the the, the podcast. We actually uh, use Slack. Um, Microsoft Teams is now bigger than Slack. Oh, yeah. They have 13 million daily active users. And the growth curve is really fast because that started like December of 2016 and Slack goes back to 2013. Well, but is that
0: really fair given that Microsoft is shoving teams down everyone's throat if they already have an office subscription.
1: Well, so that's, okay. (laughs) This is this, right? Yeah. That's, that was the, that's uh, one of the arguments I read about this. So for the last three years, fortune 500 and companies have been migrating their entire systems over to office 365. Mm -hmm. Right. And they've moved everything to Microsoft's cloud. And so why are they, they don't want to go and get another piece of software and implement that when they can just, turn on Microsoft Teams, and it integrates beautifully with all their other stuff. And so the reason I think this is important for us, I know we've talked about Slack all the lot, but for people that haven't done it, I know lots of our listeners and lots of accounts and bookkeepers out there are on the Microsoft 365 stack. Yeah, yeah. And so this could be, uh, you could flip it on and you could start uh, getting some efficiencies with your team. Yeah, it's- You could eliminate a whole layer of middle managers.
0: Seriously. The people who spend all their day just receiving emails and sending emails, those people are getting replaced by apps like Microsoft Teams, (laughs) or at least their lives are getting better.
1: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by AutoEntry. By using AutoEntry, you can stop typing data into your accounting system. AutoEntry can turn your stack of paper, be it bills, receipts, bank statements, sales invoices, and vendor statements directly into transactions posted into QuickBooks, Sage, or Xero. Regardless of your small business client engagements, once a year tax-only engagements, write-up or catch-up work, monthly bookkeeping that you do in-house, a client doing bookkeeping themselves, auto-entry is the perfect fit for all of them. Auto-entry can even handle the tricky details like line items, billable costs, customers, jobs, classes, employee expenses or reimbursements, even multi-currency. To learn even more about auto entry, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash auto entry. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash a u t o e n t r y.
0: Do you want to you want to stay on app news? Okay. Have you heard about this app called Robinhood? Have we talked about that?
1: Is that that's like a an automated investment app type? Yes. Thing yes. all web based. It's like New Bank, right? They're not a true securities company in the same way Fidelity or Merrill Lynch is something like that.
0: Okay. I don't think they're a bank at all uh, yeah they are they're one of those apps that you know wants to disrupt investing right and your 401k and whatnot so like if you're a millennial and you don't you haven't saved anything for retirement you download the Robinhood app connect to your account and start investing today and they are super hot it's a no fee stock trading app that's where the name Robinhood comes from because you don't pay anything okay and so you can you can just start investing. Like I want to buy stock, I can go do that. I can be stupid and not invest in an index fund, right? They this is this is just such a ridiculous story. So Robinhood wanted a hot new feature. This is detailed in a Business Insider article. The link is in the show notes, but just be warned that it's a Prime uh, Business Insider article owned by Amazon, by the way, and you have to have a subscription to read the full article. But you can read the summary, which I read. Without having the subscription. So anyway, the summary is that they wanted a hot new feature to attract more customers, so they created a product called checking and savings, and they promised an industry high interest rate of three percent. Can you imagine getting three percent on your savings account, David? It would be amazing. Yeah, it's ridiculous, right? Nobody does this. I, I saw I saw this when they advertised it, and I said, "This can't have. This can't be true. This will not be around." Well, less than thirty eight hours after the launch, they scrapped it completely. The whole checking and savings thing scrapped completely. Because apparently they had promised that the accounts were insured, but they didn't actually do that. Like, you know, the FDIC insurance. Okay. So they're telling everybody that it's insured and nobody at the company checked to make sure that anyone had actually done it. There's a quote in the article. Apparently, Business Insider spoke to 10 former Robinhood employees and one of them said... When it came to the checking and savings launch, sources said the decision to not reach out to the proper authorities was a deliberate one. When warned by his team, a former executive tells Business Insider that co-CEO Baiju Bot's response was, quote, it, we're doing it anyways.
1: But the difference difference is, you think about Uber, right? Uber just started launching markets illegally. Right, yeah. Uh, Bird and all those scooters are everywhere. Yeah. They just go and dump them on the sidewalks and then we'll figure it out after the fact when we get in trouble for it. But it's different because there's not this thing called the SEC involved, right? And stocks and and banks is a whole different game. You can't do that same launch strategy. Like, this is going to bite these guys. Oh, yeah, no. no, And they, they I mean, they had to shut it down within
0: 48 hours. Like, it did not fly. Like, this whole break it and then fix it later. Yeah.
1: But I wonder if it'll affect the rest of their service. Like, like... Are they going to, is this going to really impact their whole everything now? Well, now you know that they're on the regulator's radar for sure.
0: Like yep. if they were doing that kind of stuff, telling people that your checking account is insured when it's not.
1: Yep. I mean, like what you else know are you guys, f- what else did you guys say? Just yeah. F it and skipped. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a good find. Um, you got see. any app news? I got a bill.com All right. app news. So remember, uh, I feel like it was about four to six months ago. Bill. dot com uh, launched their um, uh, multi currency and yes, uh, yes. international payments. Very exciting. Yeah. So they've uh, so they basically just uh, had a kind of a press release saying that they've now since the beginning of the year, their uh, payment volumes increased one hundred twenty four percent, and the monthly transactions for international is up one hundred thirty five percent. Wow, that's so very successful. Yeah, and there's a. Uh, the average company is saving about 32% on the cost of doing wire transfers, or historically, what was a wire transfer, but now moving the money through bill.com.
0: Well, I think the fee, like what bill.com's fee is what, something like 10 bucks to do a wire or the equivalent of a wire. It's very low compared to like 30 or 40 that you're paying a bank typically.
1: Let me scroll through the article here because I feel like they said it was no fee. Oh, uh, there's no wire transfer fees, and the exchange rates exchange rates are competitive. So uh, okay. obviously, you have to subscribe to Bill. dot com, but I wonder if there's some other. It's interesting,
0: like international payments. It's so difficult to know how much you're actually paying because they may say there's no fee, but then what are you getting in terms of the exchange rate, right? And that's where they make their money is on the on the split okay. between what they pay and what you pay. So, but I I I'm just gonna say like it's got to be cheaper than what the banks are doing because. Uh, the banks just rip us off. Yep. I got some fundraising announcements that okay. we may have missed over the last few weeks. So MindBridge AI, they raised $11 million in a new funding round from the Canada Strategic Innovation Fund, which is earmarked to accelerate the development of artificial intelligence technology. This $11 million adds to the recent Series B funding the company received. Uh, and I guess the total they have raised now is $34 million. So this is the, I see MindBridge around a lot, right? At least I see their articles around a lot. They, they, they're they really out there talking about artificial intelligence in audit. Yep. And their flagship product, which I've never seen, I would love to know more about it, is uh, AI Auditor, which they released in 2017. Uh, and they say they've grown pretty fast. They have more than 260 customers in 14 countries, and they've tripled the size of their workforce since 2017.
1: Wow. So that's a decent investment, and it looks like they've uh, they keep you know, they're adding customers. Keep that on your, ra-
0: keep that on your radar. Yeah. Yep. Uh, another one here, uh, Cabbage. We've talked about Cabbage before, right? Integrated loan platform. So yep. I can, what, I can plug it into my QBO, right? If I, yeah, so, zero, I mean, essentially
1: the, 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 it's another one of those, uh, instant loan players, right? It reads your QuickBooks data. They really, when they started, were targeted at, um, inventory companies, right? Mm-hmm. You can't buy your, if you're retail, especially, right? You, you need to buy a bunch of inventory in November, but if you, it's hard to go get that loan, so you have that that the inventory to sell in December, and so they really start uh, getting into that space and looking at the Crick Brooks data historically to offer loans that traditional banks would not give.
0: I didn't know that they were they're a they're a unicorn. They were last valued at one point two billion dollars in twenty seventeen. They have raised about five hundred million in equity to date, and they the the announcement on TechCrunch is that they have raised another $200 million in the form of a revolving credit facility from an unnamed subsidiary of a large life insurance company. And that is on the heels of a $700 million securitization that they got three months ago, uh, which is another four-year facility. So there's a lot of confidence in the in- institutional investors in Cabbage at this point.
1: There's still questions. I, I think um, I think I saw another article about cabbage, but there's still questions about that high interest loan type, quick loan, high risk because a lot of these people are high risk and some are getting overexposed. Like, yeah, you see this theme happening, yeah. and so there's 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 definitely risk, but obviously people wouldn't be investing the money in it if they didn't think there was money to be made. So, well, depends on the due diligence. I'm glad you
0: brought that up because. An article in accounting today brings some concerns into my mind, anyway, about these types of companies. This is called CPAs See Risks in Complex Financial Instruments and Derivatives. And it's summarizing a survey of CPA financial executives by the AICPA. And the highlight is that a 55% majority of the CPA business executives expressed concern about financial instrument valuations. And 59% of the CPA surveyed reported having complex financial instruments such as mortgage-backed securities, interest rate swaps, or other derivatives on their company's balance sheets. So a majority have these on their company's balance sheets, these derivatives, and 55% are concerned about their valuations. And the reason this is a big deal is because the whole reason we had the Great Recession was because of derivatives, essentially, that like nobody understood around the housing market. Mm-hmm. And what what if, David... The next recession or crisis, it isn't derivatives based on housing. It's derivatives based on small business lending. Because these are going to get packaged and repackaged. Right. Like so Cabbage goes and loans out $250 million to small business X, Y, Z, or maybe it's less, right? It could be anywhere from a few thousand to hundreds of thousands. And then they package all those up into a, a, a basket of loans that's worth millions And they, or tens of millions, or hundreds of millions, and then they sell that to an institutional investor, and you know maybe this goes through many different layers, right? There's there's tranches of tranches. That's what that's the way I understood that the housing you know mortgages got packaged up and became a problem. And the the more rounds you go through, the less visibility there is into the actual health of these loans, and they they magically become you know a rated, and and
1: and they're overvalued. That's an interesting observation to uh, tie that back to the housing crisis because, in a way, there, a lot of the, there was all these new mortgage companies. There was they were startups in a way, right? And they were not financially viable, and then they would package these up and sell them to more traditional banks. Yeah, yeah, right. And they would buy these, and, and you're right. Like, is, like, where's are they truly financing all these guys and their own, or is this being rolled up? That's a, a investigative job here. Somebody has to.
0: Yeah, and just like with the the mortgage market, right? The cat, you know, these these new tech lenders are making the loans and they're getting the securitization from the large institutional folks. Banks would never make these loans you know, or traditional banks would never make these loans. The tech companies are doing it, I'm not saying this is happening, but I could see well how it could become a problem. I mean, especially if it expands like beyond, let's say it's beyond small business lending and it's just like individual lending becomes like this where you know, instead of going to my payday lender down the street, I just do it on an app. And then that app is like repackaging all these tiny little $50, you know, $500 loans into and resell it like that. that Then that could cause that would be enough volume to cause a problem. Maybe
1: yeah, I, I've yeah. had concern with some of the, the, the loan players a little bit because I, I kind of feel like for a lot of small businesses, it might be doing it just to make payroll that week, or they might be doing it to get over a hurdle. Then next two weeks later, they're doing it again and they kind of get, I could see them possibly getting a trap. But it, what, what's interesting is you have to step back and think about like, what's the motivation, right? So yeah. obviously Intuit has Intuit capital, quick capital, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously Intuit wants to make money on that and giving out those loans. But ultimately Intuit just wants small businesses to be successful because that's how they're really going to make their money. Right. But if your app or your company only makes money off of the loans, isn't your motivation to give out as many loans as possible?
0: Well, yeah, especially if you are not holding the loans, if you're reselling them. If that, yeah. you know, yeah. So, so it would be I,
1: interesting I, to uh, yeah. watch and see if that's happening. If any of our listeners are with one of these companies that are in that space, if if repackaging is going on, I think uh, it'd be great to find out. I would love to know. So what else is new? You know how um, going cashless has been on my... um you know your beat my beat right it's going cashless well monopoly you know our board game monopoly
0: yeah everyone's favorite game to play with your family to make each other make yourselves hate each other
1: but but didn't you like when you were a kid i imagine you probably like to be the banker yeah i well
0: i i loved counting the money yes i did
1: you had the money you could count the money you have the money in your hands well it's cashless now Uh, what is cashless oh god there's basically the best day i could think of describing it it's like an alexa speaker in the middle of the board and uh-huh. it's now called monopoly voice banking
0: <laughs> wait where i have to see this i'm gonna go to your
1: link i, I didn't see a there's no picture yet i'm just oh. imagining the way it's described right it's a speaker yeah. that's in the middle of the board and it keeps track of everything i
0: mean but the whole point of the the learning experience is in, you know, knowing how to count the cash and uh, keep track of how much you have and uh, trade the money and all that. What do you like do that? You do the transaction through the speaker or something?
1: Well, it's trading money. It's it's getting in fights with your siblings. It's yeah. changing the rules.
0: It's stealing the money.
1: Right. It's That's stealing a, the money. <laughs> it's like when it's, somebody's not looking. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, having uh, free parking. Like all those things that. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm
0: just getting old, David, but like I don't
1: like this. Yeah, so maybe we should have a poll. If people yeah, are, you uh, should do a Twitter Monopoly poll. should have cash. Maybe they should, people should try to save Monopoly. Yeah, I'm generally, up. yeah, I'm generally in
0: favor of cashless, but I, I do not support cashless Monopoly.
1: Now with that said though, like my kids on the iPad had a uh, life. Mm-hmm. Life is so much easier in the iPad. You spin it up, you play it, you put it away, you're done. Well,
0: isn't that like the dumbest game
1: anyway in the real world?
0: Like it's, <laughs> it's just, you just roll and then you move forward and you collect money, right? There's like no
1: strategy. You get to decide if you go to college or not. And that's the only oh. decision in the whole entire game, I think. Is it ever a good idea not to go to college? <laughs> well, <laughs> sometimes in the game, like you have to change your career. And so you could go from oh. being a doctor to a teacher and then you're just screwed. Yeah, it would definitely. Uh, yeah. But you're. I don't even know if you can be an accountant in the game of life. If that's a career. Maybe it is.
0: Well, That's when the game, it, it, your life ends. When you become an accountant, so they didn't include it <laughs> in the game of life.
1: <laughs> that could be true. So, uh, remember last week we talked about NYOB um, had a um, a crash.
0: Yeah, well, they right? had so, that. They had that. What well, we're not going to call it a glitch because you didn't like that word. Glitch, but, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so
1: anyway, I'm you know it, it's a uh, down under news. Well, I have some more down under news. Okay. So the ATO, which is the uh, Australian Tax Office. Right, Australian the tax IRS office of Australia. IRS. Um, and they're very proud in general as they have their website, their mygov website, and everybody goes to that and files their, uh, they call it um, lodging mm-hmm. for taxes. And so they're just a little bit steps ahead. Well, it crashed, right? And I'll read the headline from the news article, the video article. It said, Website fail causes tax return chaos. But that's not really why I'm bringing this up. What's really great about it. Uh, if that, if you want to talk about it in, in that terms, is the way my gov, their Twitter account handled mm-hmm. this? Uh, they just communicated really really well. Like all tech companies should copy this. The IRS should copy this. They just were very like polite might be the word. The mm-hmm. way they handle it, they even address people by their first name. Hi, Fiona. Thanks for letting us know. Oh, that's sweet. There are currently some technical difficulties, including some people not being able to access myGov. We apologize for any inconvenience. We are urgently investigating the issue and we're working hard to fix this as quickly as possible. Oh. So we'll have a link in the Twitter thread, but it's really impressive that it's handled in that fashion. Very responsive to their, their chaos causing crash.
0: Well, Walter's Kluwer should, you know, be listening and take a take a
1: page out of this playbook. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's surprising that that's a government organization, yeah, uh, with that kind of decent service on Twitter. Well, because everybody in Australia
0: is very decent and polite. You know, like it's just it's just their thing. They're also friendly.
1: Yeah. The it's is uh, yeah, and there's. The thing is, though, they've been ahead, right? Australia's a little bit further ahead on cloud accounting. They don't write checks. So maybe this means the IRS will be tweeting like this one day.
0: Someday we'll have good customer service online from the
1: IRS. That'd be great. It'll be very impressive.
0: Well, hey, David, I got to get going. If people want to get in touch with us, where's the best place for them to reach you on online? I'm on Twitter at David Leary. And I am at Blake T. Oliver. Follow us, tweet at us, tell us what you think, tell us if we missed something, if there's something that we should include in our show. And we always appreciate reviews on iTunes in particular, because that's how the word gets out to folks. That's how Apple decides what podcast to put in front of you. So if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor, going into your podcast app, scroll into our page, uh, and you scroll down, you find the spot to add a review, give us a review. We
1: will read it on the air. You can find us on all the socials so we're on facebook and we're on twitter and we're on linkedin but good news for those of you that are on the west coast and you're in the la area we are going to be at the accounting show la is it the accounting and finance show la accounting and finance show la 2019
0: at the los angeles convention center
1: it's the 23rd and 24th
0: of july of this
1: month so we'll be there what that's in two weeks so, so some of you listening to this episode, yeah, it, it yeah. might be that day, that morning. Uh, jam over and come see us. We're going to actually have a booth and we're going to do uh, some shows on the floor in a, a real deal table. We're going to record some panel discussions, right? Yes, we got some. Hopefully, yeah. we can uh, get those locked down. And uh, if not, come by. And if we don't have anything planned, we'll talk to you and put you on the show, maybe. All
0: right. That sounds great. So, yeah, that's the Accounting and Finance Show in Los Angeles, Tuesday, July 23rd through Wednesday, July 24th, LA Convention Center, West Hall. The show is free, so you should go and register uh, at the link in the show notes. Get your ticket, and you can get free CP and meet us. And we love, hope to see you there. That's a plan. All right, David. Uh, that's it for me this week. I'll uh, see you next next week. Awesome. Bye, everybody. Bye.